episode 369, Old, a spoiler-free review. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so wise you are. was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Strangers and Aliens, a podcast about science fiction, about pop culture, about Christianity, about spirituality, and about creativity. And today it's just me, Ben, Ben Avery, here to talk about a very, very creative storyteller, M. Night Shyamalan. I'd like to talk about M. Night Shyamalan, and, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I do want to say that this is intended to be a spoiler-free review. I'm going to hold myself to not spoil even older movies of his, because so much of his movie storytelling style depends on revelations and twist endings. And so I'm not going to mention even spoilers that you might be aware of, like The Sixth Sense. I, I'm not going to, to mention that. As much as possible, I'm going to be spoiler-free. I'm going to have some things I'm going to have to talk about, but I'm going to talk about uh, and spoil less than the trailer did. I'll just put it that way. If you've seen the trailer, I'm going to say less than what the trailer even showed you. So that's that's what I'm going to do here as I talk about the movie old, but as I kind of go through and talk about M night Shyamalan and his, well, just, just his filmography. Um, he is, and, and has been a, a cultural phenomenon. Uh, sixth sense just launched him onto the scene. I know he did two movies before the sixth sense, but I, I didn't see those movies and those weren't wide release movies. And, so Sixth Sense is the one that just threw him on to the pop culture landscape. And a lot of that is due to the twist endings that his movies tended to happen. Not all of them really have the big twist ending thing going on there. Um, but especially the movies that are or were his personal movies, the movies that that weren't franchise movies, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, the movies where he was involved in the writing, the movies where he was directing because it was something he was passionate about and not just a job that he got because of a big, uh, another big cultural name like Will Smith or um, an animated show that is something that people love that I have not seen. Um, the twist ending thing is a stylistic hallmark for him, but there's more 
to his style than just the big twist ending at the end of his movies. He uses long tracking shots and, and moving shots where it moves in and out of the scene. And it just changes your perspective on what's going on. There is a, in his movies, there's a, a, a fluidity of understanding as the movie goes on, you start understanding more and, and he builds on that. And that's good storytelling. That's something that you can learn from really, if you are a storyteller, you want to learn from that because you want your story to build. And, and his doesn't just build with the plot toward a climax of plot. Like, um, we've got the plans for the death star. Now we're going to go blow up the death star. And the big twist is we blew up the death star. You know, that's, that's not what he's doing. His, his movies really do rely on this understanding of, of just what's going on on the screen in front of you. It's your understanding of the the characters and your understanding of the moments that just it changes as you go through the story. And so a lot of what he does is really he's just kind of unwrapping an onion, you know, and and you have the onion in front of you. And then this layer peels away and this layer peels away. And slowly you become aware that what you are seeing is not what you thought you were seeing when you sat down to start the movies. And so when it works, and, and this is, again, something you can kind of learn from him on it, when it works, you end up with something that you can go back and rewatch and it's a different viewing experience. And I would say, especially with the sixth sense, that one, it, it got people to come back to the theater. It got people talking about it. It got people worried about getting spoiled. And so he just launches onto the scene. Now I'm going to kind of walk through his filmography here. And I guess part of what I'm going to talk about here is to talk about the twist endings without actually talking about the twist endings. But it all kind of builds toward what I'm trying to talk about with old, <laughs> with the the movie that just came out was in theaters. Uh, COVID has hurt it on many fronts from the being in theater front to just trying to get the movie made front. But it it hit theaters. It's there. I don't know when it's going to hit streaming, but uh, it all is kind of building up to this movie as I'm looking back at his and thinking about his his older movies. So in 1999, you have The Sixth Sense, which is the famous movie. It's 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 the movie that made him famous, and it, it still holds up. I watched it with my family, and and it still holds up. Uh, that's where we get the phrase, I see dead people from. And the huge twist in this movie is something that you've probably had spoiled for you. I imagine that most people who are listening to this podcast know what the the, the twist is, but I'm not going to spoil it. This is just the one that kind of, I think, set the expectation for what an M. Night Shyamalan movie is supposed to be. And so with uh, Unbreakable, which came a year later in 2000, you get a movie that is building on that expectation. This is a movie that really resounded with a lot of, uh, well, geeks and, 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 and sci-fi fans, fantasy fans, comic book fans. It, it's a movie about comic books before comic book movies were 
as big as they are now, but they were, they were on at the beginning of that. It's a superhero movie. Uh, and Alex Ross even did some of the artwork for the DVD release, but it's a different kind of superhero movie. I mean, if you're hope, you know, if you're coming off of the MCU into that, it, this is a, a slow moving movie. It's, it's slow. It's effective. It's a little bit goofy when you really do kind of start thinking about it. But if you think about it as a comic book on the screen, then that I think kind of creates, it gives, it creates grace within me for the movie. Because when this movie lingers on a scene, it's like you lingering on a panel. Unlike Ang Lee Hulk's panels that are all over the screen and moving around and stuff like that. This is a movie that's it's slow, it breathes, it takes its time. And we talk about this movie in episode 302 of this podcast because we did a two-episode series about the superhero cinematic universe that was being set up, the, the trilogy that was was created. In 2002, we have Signs, and this movie can be described as basically being Chekhov's everything, you know, <laughs> Chekhov's gun. If you put a gun on the wall in Act 1, you have to let it fire before Act 3. Nothing happens in this movie without purpose. All of it is put on the wall, and then all of it is taken off the wall and, and, and becomes a part of the, the big finale. But that said, even though I'm kind of making fun of it a little bit, I'm poking fun because it it works, you know, and, and it's a good natured poking fun here. Um, it, it works. And, and this is his movie. The, the one this is the movie of his that I've seen more times than any of the others, because this is the movie that I've actually sat down and shown to people. So I watched it with my kids and, and they liked it. Um, when I worked at a college, I, I showed it as, as part of an event that we were having. It was just movie appreciation event, you know, and I, I've watched it with friends, you know, and, and this is a movie that we've pulled out because we, we like this movie. So this is a movie that invites you to think, and it invites you to, if you are um, spiritually inclined, to think about how things happen for a reason. And the big twist at the end, uh, again, not going to spoil, but it works well because of the thematic ideas the movie is presenting. Just you have to be careful. There's a there's a bunch of stuff in this one where you have to say to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. If you start thinking too hard about some of the details that have to be there for the movie to happen, uh, you're not going to be you're not going to like the movie too much. But this is not a sci fi movie of hard science ideas that's creating this, you know, alien culture that is is so well thought out, you know, um, this is this is something that is about it's a sci-fi movie that uses the story to explore spiritual ideas. And of all of these movies, this one is the one that's most intentionally spiritual and it works well for me. Uh, and again, I, I really enjoyed revisiting it with with my kids in the last year or so. 2004, we had The Village, and the big twist about this movie was um, 
you kind of see it coming. <laughs> the big twist is not as big of a twist as they thought it was going to be. And I really, I honestly, I, I only remember seeing this in theaters in 2004. That's one memory I have of this movie. There's a couple images of um, a character in a, in a dark place and it's very effective and moody. So I remember some of that. Um, the cinematography was, was really well done from what I remember, but I think this is where I became disenchanted with M night Shyamalan. Um, those first three broad release movies were really, really strong. This one though, for me was very unmemorable and, and I just didn't like it. Uh, lady in the water in 2006, the big twist from lady in the water is I still haven't seen this movie yet. So I don't even know what the big twist actually is, but I, I have not seen lady in the water and I really want to, cause I know there are some people who that movie is something that they really love. But I also know that that movie is a movie where there are some people who just really do not like this movie. The same with the happening. The big twist for this movie is that it's not as awful as people say, <laughs> but it's also not great. And, and no, that's not really the twist, but I like this movie when I finally got around to seeing it just a year or two ago, but it's also, it's, it's, it's not great. It just reminded me of older sci-fi movies that had lower budgets and they were cheesy movies that were trying to be serious. And it's possible that that's what this movie is trying to be is it's a cheesy movie that's trying to be serious. And if you read it that way, it actually kind of works that way. Again, like with uh, Unbreakable, if you read it as a comic book, it kind of works that way. If you read this movie as it's a movie from 1976 or something like that uh, with a, you know, big cast and and this big sprawling epic story but they don't have a lot of uh budget for the attacking birds or whatever it might be um if you read it that way it actually kind of works a little bit better for me but this is also a movie that i think kind of changed things for him where people realized oh wait a minute this is why are we giving him money and so he moves to franchise with The Last Airbender. And the twist ending of this movie is that it's possible for a talented director to take a beloved property and make something that nobody likes. <laughs> Another twist is that um, – well, this isn't really a twist of the movie, but it is uh, a twist in my life anyway – is that I take a little bit of joy from telling fans of Avatar The Last Airbender that this is the only exposure to their beloved animated series – that I've ever had, but that joy is absolutely diminished <laughs> by the fact that I had to watch the movie to be able to say that. Um, and I did honestly, I, I think I was talked about this movie before I did watch this movie with the intention of trying to see someone coming in fresh, who's not familiar with the animated series. Will they like it? Well, the truth is that it's just not great. So the answer is no. Then you have After Earth starring Will Smith and um, his son that I can't remember his name. But this is a watchable original sci-fi movie that tried really, really hard to be that's the kind of big sci-fi movie that people you know, are going to rush out to see. You know, and it's, it's, it's banking on M. Night Shyamalan's name. It's banking on Will Smith's name. And it probably would have worked better if it had been a movie that had been made in 2020 and gone straight to streaming, straight to Netflix, straight to Amazon Prime. I don't know what, what streaming service would need to, to pick this up, but it was, feels like a kind of 
It feels very similar to a lot of movies that do go straight to those streaming services, especially now during uh, COVID. Instead, the big twist here is that Will Smith and M. Night together still made a big old bomb. <laughs> and it, it just did not do very good. Uh, we actually reviewed this episode, episode 72. We reviewed After Earth. So, you know, check it out. But 2015, though, is where we get another corner gets turned. And this is where I think we get M. Night Shyamalan coming back to movies that he wants to make back to passion projects, you know, and, and the visit he funded with his own money. So if there's ever a movie that you're going to say that's a passion project, this, this is it. And so he comes off of these two big movies and makes this small movie that was made for $5 million, but grossed a hundred million dollars. He funded it himself because he wanted to make the movie that he wanted to make. And I really appreciate that. The thing is interesting about this movie and the following is that it gets uncomfortable here. And the plot twist is, is uncomfortable. And it, for the most part, even though it made me uncomfortable, it, it still worked. Now, this is the movie that, again, I, I'm not going to spoil things. But I just just to warn you, this is the one that seriously grossed me out. This is the one that has the diaper scene that I've talked about. And it's the movie that we actually reviewed uh, episode 163. But this has the diaper scene in it. And this is the another turning point, though, where I feel like those first few movies are kind of soft. Uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village. They all, I can't speak about Lady in the Water, but they all are doing something where you're watching it and you're just saying, okay, all right, you know, oh, that's really interesting. This character is, is unbreakable, you know, and, and this character, I see dead people. And even though they're, they're suspenseful and there's some horror elements to them, at the same time as you're watching it, there, there's a softness to it and a, and a humanity to it. But the visit, Split, Glass, those movies, they get dark and they treat their characters with, um, with just not as soft to the characters. And the visit has that diaper scene and puts the two main characters through a, a rough, rough situation. Then you have Split, uh, which also just goes to some uncomfortable places. Now, James McAvoy is incredible in this, but this is a movie that, that can be a little insensitive and be a little uncomfortable and has some plot holes that you really have to ignore if you're going to enjoy it. And then there's the big twist, which wasn't exactly a twist, but the big twist is that it was a secret sequel, a secret wool, secret wool to unbreakable, um, it was setting up a trilogy. It was setting up uh, an MCU, if you would, a, an M. Night cinematic universe. And we talked about this one in episode number 302 as well, along with Unbreakable. And then in episode 303, we talked about Glass, which was, again, a decent movie. There's a big twist that really turned me off. Um it just got a big sigh from me like, oh, what? This is where they are taking this movie. This is why I sat through three movies, a trilogy to get to the end scene with this twist. 
Uh, but that big twist is actually a big twist for the trilogy at the end. But anyway, uh, brings us to old and it brings me to, you know, there's, there's these storytelling risks that M. Night Shyamalan is making. And it's kind of nice to see him make these risks. Like he ends glass in a way that I hated the way he ended it, but he, I believe that he ended it that way because that's where he wanted to go with that story. And so he's taking a risk knowing that people are going to watch the end of that movie and say to themselves, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I want, but it's what he, it's the story he was trying to say the story he was trying to tell. And the same thing is happening here with old. I believe that this is a movie that he believed in. I believe this is a movie that he had a passion for because I'm watching this thing and I'm saying to myself, there's, there's a lot going on that's going into the camera here. I really do feel like he got to make another one of those movies that he really wanted to make. I don't think he had much studio interference with this. I do not agree with some of the storytelling choices that he made with this. That's the kind of thing that I cannot talk about right now because I don't want to spoil anything. I am just going to have to wait. And after the end credits, it's not going to be a little single um, line pulled from the episode and, and dropped out of context at the end. It's going to, which I stole that from, uh, from mystery science theater, uh, that thing where you know, just get to the end of the credits and then they just have one line, one line from the movie. And so I, I'm not doing that with this episode. Instead, I'm going to actually talk about with spoilers about one of the things that made me feel really, really really uncomfortable. Um, and I think honestly, it's probably what John Barrowman was talking about. John Barrowman from Torchwood and Dr. Who, he went off on this movie and called out M night Shyamalan and just said he hated the movie. He felt it was abhorrent. He thought it was detestable. He just hated the movie. And I think uh, well, I, w- I was watching for the point where where he turned against it, and I believe I know what point that is because there it's the same point where I almost turned against the movie completely, and it's it's a point in the middle of the movie where it just makes me say I can't recommend this movie to everyone. There, I don't know if I would recommend this movie to anyone, uh, or I don't know who I would recommend it to. Um, I think that people can handle it and, and that's what I would have to, you know, gauge, like, can you handle this thing that happened in this movie? And it's not just that there's some gross out horror stuff in, and there is, there's some body horror stuff in this movie. Um, actually this movie is just based around kind of a, a body horror concept. Um, the high concept though is fascinating. And again, I'm not going to give any spoilers Stay after the credits for that. Uh, but this high concept, I'm, I'm, I am going to give you as much information as the trailer gives you. So here's the high concept. The high concept is there's a group of strangers. Okay. And I'm just going to stop right there, I guess, because right there, there's some good storytelling potential in that phrase, a group of strangers. It's a great start. Groups of strangers can give you great drama as they're getting to know each other, as they're dealing with each other, as they see the big problem coming their way. And then they have to learn 
to trust each other or decide if they can trust each other or not. And then they have to get through the problem. And, you know, this is, it's lost, you know, where you have people on a plane and the plane crashes. It's five characters in search of an exit. The a great Twilight Zone episode where it's just five characters who wake up. They don't know how they got into this uh, strange uh, place. It's it's escape room and escape room two ornament of champions, which I talked about in our previous episode with John Haru. And it, it's a great way to build tension in a story. It, it's the stand. It you know it's just so many different stories in, especially science fiction and adventure stories where you know the group of people who are brought together to face an airplane crash to face the boat that's flipped over and is now upside down. And usually, you know, we, we follow a one point of view character and the audience doesn't know who to trust either when you do that, or you're following all the characters and you get to see everyone's point of view and, and you're watching and saying, well, you, you can trust this person or you're watching. And it's that idea where the audience knows more than the characters do. You can't trust that person, but you are trusting that person. That's not good. So, the high concept, a group of strangers find themselves on a secluded beach where they quickly begin to realize they are turning old. And we have a title. <laughs> it's a very simple title. It says what's in the tin. So here's the thing. Again, like I said, I don't want to spoil, but as I review this movie, the best way I can review it is to first warn you there's going to be there's some uncomfortable bits in this movie, but let your mind wander on this idea. What would happen if this happened to you? So I feel like I can kind of talk about my response to this movie without giving away too much of what happened in the movie, just to say this movie, it got me thinking. This movie got to me as the people are growing older. And this is what happens to families and to people. Like we grow older. Of course, it's just happening much, much quicker. And it got me thinking about my own life. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm getting older. Uh, I'm an old man now. Or I, I mean, some people say that, you know, I'm not because I'm not, but, um, there are times now where I'm feeling my age. My body is is slowing down. I had to get glasses for the first time. I used to be using reading glasses, and now I'm just straight up glasses. They're not just glasses, though. They're bifocals. They're transitional bifocals, so you can't see the line on them. Uh, but they're bifocals. I, I my first pair of glasses. I just jumped straight into old people glasses bifocals. Now I know there are young people who use them because they need them, and, and I understand that. But my eyes are 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 breaking down, and and I'm getting older. And my kids are getting older right in front of my eyes. Now it's not happening as quickly as it happened in the movie. But the movie got me thinking about this as I'm watching kids growing on the screen and it's happening in this science fiction body horror kind of thing. I'm forced be, to think about my kids. They aren't my little ones anymore who listen to what dad has to say because he's dad. They're, they're, they're not those little trusting toddlers who want to you know, jump off stairs into my arms. If they jumped off stairs into my arms now, it'd be a little scary because my arms are old and they are big. 
not my arms, my kids. I can't hold them the way I used to be able to hold them and toss them into the air and, and, and get down on the, the ground and play with action figures with them on the floor because they're out of action figure age, you know, and, and you get the idea. And so old is effective in the way that it got me thinking. The science fiction idea, the beach that turns people old did its job. I'm watching things on the screen that can't and won't ever happen in real life, but I'm watching these things on the screen that can't and won't happen in real life. And they are thematically and metaphorically happening on the screen. And because of the theme and the metaphor, it's making me think about what does happen and is happening and has been happening in my life as I'm getting older, as my family is getting older, as my wife and my children are getting older, as my parents are getting older. This is a huge part of humanity's experience. Watching people get old and wind down or get old and grow away. That said, as effective as it was, it could also be a little heavy handed. Okay. <laughs> there are many places in this movie where we're allowed to think for ourselves, but there were also many times when the characters were just saying what I, I feel like the dialogue was them just saying what the writer and directed director wanted you to think and wanted me to think, but hey, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. Okay, in my own writing, it's forgivable, especially when I, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan wanted to make a movie that said something. And so he wanted to make sure that you didn't miss what he was trying to say. Now, I did walk away, though, thinking about my family, but also thinking about uh, Isaiah 40, which is a verse. I have an interesting connection to this verse. Because I had a subscription to, I believe it was Campus Life magazine, which um, if you are familiar with the Sunday and, and weekly newspaper comic strips close to home, that guy did a lot of comics in that magazine during that time. And they're, they're pretty funny, kind of goofy, you know, a little edgy, but it had articles and it had stories and it had, you know, all sorts of different things in it for um, high school and college age Christians and Christian teens, basically. I got one of those magazines and the response envelope that they sent for you to be able to renew your subscription subscription had the self-addressed stamped information on the envelope that you could just put the thing in there, drop it in the mail. But the inside of the envelope was printed with words from this verse, from Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah 40 verses, I think it's um, 5, 6, 7, and 8 here. All humanity is grass, and all its goodness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. That's that last verse, Isaiah 40, verse 8. It was just printed in fine, fine, tiny print, but repeating all the way on the sheet of paper that's on the inside of this envelope. I don't know why they did it that way, but it really made an impression on me. In fact, so much that I actually opened up the envelope and hung that on my wall. 
<laughs> so it just had this open envelope that is just, yeah, hanging on my wall with this tiny fine print that says the grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord endures forever. And so this movie though, gets you thinking about your mortality. It gets you thinking about how we are going to die. We are going to grow old. We are going to die. The other verse that made me think about though is also is uh, second Corinthians four eighteen, which says for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so, yeah, as, as much as the, the nihilistic approach there of <laughs> we're all going to die, uh, there is this idea of we are going to die, but there is something beyond us and, and more than this physical plane of existence that we live on or in. So I'm thinking about these human experience things. I'm thinking about aging. I'm thinking about family. I'm thinking about mortality and I'm thinking about immortality. I'm thinking about all these things because of this movie. And this movie got me thinking about my relationship with my children and how I view that relationship and how I walk that relationship. So in that way, I, I watch this movie and I give huge kudos to M night Shyamalan. This movie also that's, that's theme stuff, but going into style, uh, it's very, very stylistic. There's slow pans that pan around the characters and away from the characters to something else. And then it comes back again and it allows the relationships of the characters and the plot elements, the, what's going on in the story and, and the meanings of what we're seeing to shift and change and, and it's like I said, the, there's, there's a fluidity to your understanding that is happening, not just as you move from scene to scene, but within the scene and within single shots, the entire, your, your entire perception of the movie can change in a single pan away and pan back. And, and it sets a mood and it can be tedious <laughs> If he's not careful and there were some times in this movie where I would say, yeah, it, it got a little bit tedious maybe, but again, it was effective. Uh, this is a talented filmmaker making a movie that I, like I said before, believe he was connecting with, that he was connected to, that he was passionate about. And as he's doing it, he's taking risks, you know, the way he's filming things and the way he uses his visual style and the way he takes his time and the way that he uses the pacing and, and some of the choices he has with the characters and, and the camera placement. But as, even as he's taking risks, he's also taking things, in my opinion, a little bit too far. There were some gross out horror movie moments but there are also a couple moments where i was cringing and that's something that i will warn you about after the credits if you want to know exactly what i'm talking about there's a really big elephant in the room yeah it's just i was cringing so i i mean part of why i'm doing this review is i, I kind of just want to make you aware of these like the visit and like Split, M. Night Shyamalan takes some storytelling risks that are 
are taboo. All right. And so again, if you want to know what I'm talking about, listen after the credits. But again, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest that even those things that happened got me thinking about things um, as a father and, and as a, you know, someone who works with, with kids. And it, it's uncomfortable and it's something that you, I don't think that, I don't think it's something that was necessary for the movie at all. Now it did push some characters to do some things that they might not have done if it hadn't happened, but I really feel like those characters could have still done <laughs> some of those things if, uh, if it hadn't happened. So anyway, I was cringing and at least with the diaper thing, in the visit, at least I can laugh about that. It is super gross, but I can laugh about it. And this is, this is not something it's more, if I'm laughing, it's because I'm feeling uncomfortable. So anyway, uh, when I went and saw this movie, my friend, John Haru, who he's, he's on the podcast, you've heard him before. Um, we are talking about the next, uh, Halloween thing that I do with him will probably be another M night Shyamalan movie, but not one that he directed, uh, devil. And so I'm, I'm very excited about that, but he was wondering which M night Shyamalan we get with this movie. Is it the brilliant filmmaker who made those earlier movies or is it, um, the guy who made after earth? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I, when I, when he asked me that, I just said, uh, yeah, we got both, you know, this is the M night Shyamalan who is a very talented storyteller, but this is also the M night Shyamalan who is a little bit of a story, uh, a sloppy story crafter. There are a lot of things that happen in this movie that feel like they're happening just for this movie to happen. And then there's the twist and the things that wrap up this movie as you get closer to the center of this onion. And there is, if you know your M night Shaman, there is a moment at the end where we get flashbacks to show us how everything that we saw has a slight twist and it wasn't what we thought. And you know, no surprise. It's an M night movie. It's supposed to play out like that. The difference is, you know, with, uh, with unbreakable with six cents, with signs when you watch it another time it kind of uh will will change how you feel about different parts of the movie and, and change your perception of the movie and change your experience watching it again uh with with old i don't feel like it's the twist is going to change my experience that much um i don't know it, it's his style you know it's the way he does things the the question is you know, if it's worth it and you want to watch it again and I'll leave that to you. If you watch it a first time, then I'll leave it to you about how you're going to watch, watch it a second time. But like I said, I feel like in some ways I'm doing this review as a chance to warn you as a potential viewer that you, you aren't getting signs. Okay. You're, you're not getting, um, that kind of family drama from signs and, and, and from, uh, from sixth sense, you know, it, that's not what you're getting. So my new rating system is, uh, do you skip it? Do you stream it? Do you rent it? Do you buy it? Do you screen it on in the theater? In other words, is it worth, uh, paying the money, spending the time and getting to see it on the big screen? Is it worth 
paying for to rent or buy, um, whether it's physical media or digital media, is it worth your time on a streaming platform that you are already paying for or a free streaming platform that you aren't paying for, but is it worth your time with that or, or should you skip it altogether? And I'm going to say there are probably a lot of people where a single question and I can say, yeah, skip it. <laughs> Just skip it. Um, there are people I think it would get out things out of. I, I got stuff out of it though. That's the, that's the thing is it got me thinking about mortality. It got me thinking about how, okay, life is uh, transitory. Life is, well, life is short, you know, and, and it got me thinking about, you know, watching my own kids grow up. And, and, and so it, it's effective in that way. There was some thematic stuff that was effective. There was stylistic stuff that was effective character stuff. That's probably the weakest of all of the four quadrants. If I'm looking at the, the four quadrants uh, and, and plot, you know, so if I, we got strong theme, we've got pretty good uh, style. Um, and then there's the plot, which is your story. You're just following the story as it's happening. That's that's good. It's okay. And and then there's the characters, which are kind of the weakest, weakest thing. This is a movie that exists to have the concept exist. This is not a movie that's about um, characters who really, you know, you're, you're really going to fall in love with. Uh, they try, but it's not, not quite there. So I, I'd put it on stream though. Like if I'm giving a recommendation to someone, I'd say, yeah, if you already have Netflix and it's on Netflix, I, I watch it, you know, it's, it's worth watching, but I don't know how much money I would spend on this movie. So yeah. And also just, just be ready to cringe. Uh, sometimes cringing for good horror related reasons and sometimes for icky, uncomfortable reasons that I really feel like should have never been in the movie in the first place. Now, as far as seeing it on the big screen, there were some, there was some beautiful scenery. They found a great beach to do this on. Um, yeah. It, the talent of the filmmaking that's on the screen is absolutely, it, it does exist. It's there and it's, it's good, but it's not great. So that is my review of old that started out with half the episode being about other movies that weren't old, <laughs> but yeah, I did get around to it. So Thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with me here talking about movies. I love talking about movies. I have so much fun talking about movies. I wish that Evan had had a chance to go with me, but I'm pretty sure that Evan skipped out on this one because he was not interested in this movie at all. I totally understand. And honestly, I feel like, yeah, he, it, yeah, I, I feel like he probably wouldn't have enjoyed it too much. Um, John, how are you? If, if you do see it, I'm, I'm curious what you thought about it and anyone else, actually, if you see it, uh, let us know on social media, what you thought, how you, you liked this movie or, or didn't like this movie. So, uh, again, thank you for listening after the credits. I'm going to talk very briefly about the thing that I think turned John Barrowman <laughs> off, off of the movie, which it, it got him some press, you know, and he was in in front of people with social media because of all of that. But 
I think I know where he turned away, turned against the movie, and I think I know that's where a lot of other people may have turned against the movie as well. We're going to talk about that after the credits, just in case you don't want that spoiled. So, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending time with me. And, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Lethel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. So there's a handful of cringy things about this movie. Some of them are smaller than others. One of them is actually it's not cringy. I thought it was kind of really actually quite funny. And that was that there is a rapper in this movie named Midsize Sedan. That was kind of funny. Um, there was the exposition tool of having a child who seems to be on the autism spectrum, but then when he grows older, isn't. Uh, acting the same way as far as that goes, but who walks up to literally every adult and says, hi, who are you and what what's your occupation? And so we get to find out uh, exposition in that way because it's a character thing. And then there's the thing that when I say it made me cringe, it really, really bothered me. And one of the good things about confronting things that bother us, especially if it's something where you're not being morally compromised, I'm not saying that you should go and watch a movie that has all sorts of content things in it just so you can confront what what bothers me about pornography. You know that no, don't do that. What I'm saying is um, being confronted with something where you say, ah, oh, that that did not feel good. That did not make me feel good. I did not uh, made me feel uncomfortable. You know to confront, well, why, why? And it got me thinking about some things, but, uh, what, what really bothered me was there was a scene where there's two six year old kids who have grown and now suddenly are faced with the prospect of having a teenage body. But I mean, it's, it's big. It's the big conundrum where you have Tom Hanks is playing a, I don't know, nine year old, 10 year old, 11 year old, and he's in a physical relationship with a full-grown woman. And that's uncomfortable. And it's played for laughs, you know, because, ha, 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 it's a kid who's getting that first experience. But no, it's 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 not a funny thing, you know. And it's the same thing happening here. Now, they don't play it for laughs here. It's played for tragedy. But they go off on their own. They're in a tent alone while the adults are all talking about something. And then when they walk out of the tent, she's pregnant. And it's just kind of a, oh my goodness. Uh, why, 
what's happening here? Why is this happening? And, and it gets even more uncomfortable. And, and this is another kind of warning that she delivers the baby, but then the baby is aging so quickly that it can't get enough food to survive. And so you have this just awful moment in this movie where it's just the characters are being put through this torture. And there are some writers and creators who you sometimes wonder like this is this is how they treat their characters and it's it's uh it just didn't feel good you know and you're you're watching it and i'm just like oh i feel really uncomfortable right now now what it made me think about is it did make me think about teenagers and teenagers are dealing with their body changes and dealing with these emotions and feelings and physical urges and things like that and they make stupid choices, you know, and it, and it got me thinking about that kind of a thing where that's a real world reality that I'm watching this unreal world um, <laughs> imaginary thing happening. But I'm just what? Why is this in this movie? I don't want to see this and they don't show anything. Um, you know, it's it's not played where you're you're seeing anything of what they do in the tent you're, you don't see anything really at all except for just the beginning where they're talking to each other and um just saying ah, i have this feeling you know and, and that kind of thing but man it just I, I i firmly believe that most people who get turned off by this movie that's the moment that turns them off or that's the moment that just seals the deal for them where they just are like no no. And it almost did for me. I mean, I'm watching, I'm just like, oh, like I said, it got me thinking about actual teenagers and, and preteens. And, um, it, it got me thinking, you know, in, in this movie itself, they're talking about this misinformation about, you know, the, the way that this six-year-old understood how that works. The, the, the child knew about the birds and the bees, but didn't know everything. And it got me thinking about that kind of stuff as well. But this is not a moment where I'm like, wow, this movie got me thinking about those things. So it was worth it. Not so much. Not so much. So that's the elephant in the room. That's the, you know, all the other stuff where you have like the body horror stuff and and the people getting killed in different ways. And, And those things make you feel uncomfortable as well. But this one... It just took it a step beyond, uh, a step beyond. So be aware uh, that's that's there. And if you have seen it, then I hope you understand what I'm saying about, yeah, okay, well, they're taking things to their logical progression, but at the same time, didn't need to go there. <laughs> it didn't need to follow that logical progression. So... Anyway, that's old then. Uh, Thank you so much for listening again. And if you're with me still, I want to wish you once again, Godspeed.